This is The Bull, The Bear, and My Brother's Chair, a podcast hosted by brothers Nate and Brian Lucius, leaders of Gradient Financial Group. Each episode, they'll talk about how they're bullish, how they're bearish, and the chairs they cherish. I'm Joe Anthony, president of Gregory FCA, a national public relations firm catering the financial industry. And I'll be on the podcast today to talk to you guys about public relations, what it is, why it's important. We'll also get some info to you about how you can amplify your own story through content that supports your message. Let's get started. Here we go. Welcome back to the Bull, the Bear, and My Brother's Chair. I'm joined by Brian Lucius, and my name is Nate Lucius. We have got an exciting show today. Uh, What I'm excited about, one, is our guest, who I'll introduce in a moment. But two, we're going to talk about some personal things in our lives that we're excited about, that we're bullish about. This is going to be an all-bullish show. Yeah, I think some of you will be able to relate with some of the problems we're currently facing in life. Uh, these are deep, too. Yes. Very deep, very deep. We've talked yeah. a lot of politics and you know, COVID. COVID and all that kind of thing. These ones are even deeper. These are going to be, <laughs> yeah, these are going to be things that you can use in your daily life. Probably won't affect your business <laughs> when we start. But our guest today, uh, a gentleman by the name of Joe Anthony, who is the president of Gregory FCA. Gregory FCA is a leading public relations and advertising firm Mm -hmm. focused on primarily the financial services business. And we've used Gregory FCA here at Gradient for almost 10 years, I think. And they've been very helpful to us in media, uh, you know, branding, all the things that we do here. So he's going to get into, you know, how do I do that as a business owner? Where do I start? What should I do? And again, they've been uh, a great resource for us and we've, you know, had them on our uh, retainer or, or consultancy for, for 10 years. So I'm excited to have Joe on the show to talk, talk a little bit about you know, branding, advertising, media, and what you should be doing today, probably more important than ever. He talks a lot about telling your story too. Right. I know every time I've talked to them, you know, he's, he's not just focused on, can you get on this outlet? It's more of the strategy behind it all in PR, being in the media, being in the paper or TV or radio or wherever certainly gives you an added extra credibility in business, certainly gives you the added brand out there. And it's uh, something that people are always getting questions on. So we'll get some tips from him. Yeah. So we'll have Joe on the show. But first, we're going to start with a couple of fun things. So Brian, why don't you kick us off? What What are you bullish on? What, what do you so, got? So as I, spring comes around here and I'm starting to, uh, my lawn is just about to have to be mowed. And yes, for those of you that uh, don't live in Minnesota, it is April. It's a little early, but like I'm getting there. So I got to get out all my yard tools, which if anybody's listened to the show, I'm not the handiest dude. Would you agree with that? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's in, a fact. And it's not either. So Whoa. As, I, as I'm getting out my mower, I still have a gas mower, right? Now you're thinking, well, of course you do. What else would you buy? Well, I have transitioned, and this is what I'm bullish on, my weed whip trimmer. Is that what called? Trimmer. Yep. Trimmer. My trimmer and a blower over to battery powered. <clears throat> okay. Now here's the, here's what I'm bullish about is in, on my mower. Here was my situation last summer. You pay how much for a mower? 400 bucks? Uh, I'd say on the low end. On the low end, right? Five, six hundred bucks for, a, <laughs> yeah. for so, the kind of mowers we work with. So yeah. I buy it, you know, three years ago. I don't really know how to change the oil. I can add oil. I don't really know how to change the oil. I can change a spark plug. But, you know, three years after me not really maintaining this thing myself, nor did I take it anywhere because it's a pain and whatever, it 
my mower started on fire in my yard last year. And so <laughs> I thought I saw a flame come out the side. And as I kept going, I'm like, that's weird. And so, you know, what do I do? Do I shut it off or do I keep mowing? You keep mowing. Yeah, but, keep but your first response is when the flame shoots out the side, it's like, that's probably normal. It's probably <laughs> just the way it works. Totally. Just a back. This is a high, high horsepower item I'm working So with. then all of a sudden it's in the middle of my backyard and like it starts a fire. And so then I'm thinking... What do I do? So what do I do? I immediately move away from it because I think it's going to explode like a car engine or something. But I then take it into a local place to get it fixed. And there was no fire damage. So we're good there. But it had oil and spark plug. And then it had the hosel rocket was stuck and the smash rod was bent and like all this stuff that we had to go into it. I leave with like a $250 bill and I thought, Man, I could have ran this thing. I could have literally burnt it to the ground, just gone back to the hardware store, bought a four hundred dollar mower, and been right, a every brand three, new four one. years. Yep. With the battery powered though, there's none of that, right? Right. You plug in the batteries, you go. Now, I'm not moving earth either on the weekends. Like I live in a neighborhood. I'm trimming the stuff around the fence that doesn't doesn't the mower doesn't catch. Zero maintenance. Super easy. The only struggle that you have is as you're standing there, there is somewhat of a a want to have the bigger, more powerful tools right. in your garage. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? You fire them up, they they go. Yeah, they go. There's some noise yeah. to them. This thing kind of sounds like a remote control car. Yeah. And you're just kind of out there buzzing away. So it doesn't give you the same power feeling that you got, but hey, because it made my I, life I'd easier. say the, the other struggle you have is uh, some of your neighbors, you know, if this is a competition kind of a thing, they might stare at you and uh, laugh at you at times, but it's okay. You know, I've established in both neighborhoods I've lived in, I've, I've lived next to the, you know, people that have the manicured lawns that use like yeah. a striper. Like I've lived next to that guy. I'm never that guy, but I'm never the worst on the block either. I'm just middle of the road. Right maintenance. So yeah. it's not a pride issue for you? It's not a pride issue. Okay. I'm good. Right. With, I'm comfortable with my lawn and it's manicuring and uh, or lack thereof. And so if you haven't checked out battery powered, reason I bring that up is if that mower lights on fire again this summer, I'm getting a battery do, powered do mower. We, do we want to have any uh, any brand uh, pushes here or are you just pretty agnostic as to well, which battery brand I purchased powered? the Cobalt. And so if Cobalt wants to sponsor the show, go ahead and send me a mower. Um, but... I know there's DeWalt and a bunch of other ones. To me, again, I don't use it enough uh, to really know what's better, but the Cobalt's been treated So battery-powered well. lawn equipment That's and just any go-to battery-powered. Absolute game yep. changer. The other thing, too, that you didn't mention is uh, the gas cans. Oh, yeah. Filling up gas cans, putting oh. them in your car or whatever. Oh. Not a fun experience. No. And how about the, the leftover quarter gallon of gas you have after, again, Minnesota winter? And you're like, hmm, what do I do with that? Pouring yeah. it down the street drain is not the right answer. And then if you're lucky enough to have a mixed, I forget, you got two cycle, four cycle, <laughs> I, you get confused. But if you're lucky enough to have a mixed yeah, where you yeah. got to mix the oil and the gas, yeah. and it's like, well, 25 to one or 40 to one or whatever, whatever. Yeah. You're like, I'm going to pour, I mean, it's just, it's a crapshoot. It's just too much. It's too much. And yeah. so the battery powered has changed my I life. I like that. That's good. I think that's a good strategy for the average guy. It's, I'm below average, but the average guy would enjoy this yeah. too. I got, I actually bought, uh, I don't really have a lawnmower, but I bought a, uh, the battery powered blower and yeah. the equipment, uh, but I don't have a lawnmower. Okay. So. Is it cord or battery powered? No, it's not cord. It's battery powered. <laughs> you can't have a cord, one that connects. That's that's out. Don't do that. Agreed. But so that's my, you know, right, that was my revelation. I'm ready for the battery powered mower. That's good and when I buy advice. that thing, I'll, when it 
combusts in my yard, I'll fill you guys in. It's great sound advice. Well, I'm going to throw one out there. I talked uh, a couple weeks ago about this, actually, when I got it in the mail, showed up in a giant box, uh, quite a massive box that I had to open and put together as my grill. A grill. Okay. It's going back to electric. Okay. But this is kind of the thing now. It's an electric, some call it a smoker, a grill, whatever. Like so a pellet smoker? The pellet. Yep. Okay. So the wood-fired, wood-fed pellet smoker grill. This is kind of like the battery-operated yard tools of the smoker world. Like you got a real smoker it, that you light yeah, and tune. But, but this is like the thing. I mean, if you're a competition or whatever. Now, they don't have... The one I've got is not a competition model, but <laughs> it's moving that direction. And so... When I was looking for a grill, I needed a grill. I thought, and everybody around the office talks about these, right? Oh, I smoked the ribs for 97 hours Three, two, and all that. <laughs> I don't understand that. So I, I get it. I open it. Uh, and the company's called Rectech, okay? An advisor uh, that we work with, I actually talked to him. He's like, oh, I bought one. It's great. So I will go online. I buy it. They're kind of a higher-end grill, not super expensive. And what they do is you can actually like call, I've been told, you can call the owners you if you're having that. problems. You should definitely do that. So anyway, I put the thing together, took me a while. I put a couple of the things on wrong. The, the lid wouldn't close. I had to redo it. I got it done. And then it sat in my garage for two weeks because it just, the weather wasn't ready. And have you had a, so you, you've had it out now, right? <clears throat> well, and so, does it grill and smoke? Yeah, so here's what it is. It's the Rectech Bullseye, so a smaller one. Okay, but I'm not looking to feed an army. I've just got a few people. Yeah. So I got it out, and I, I'm the videos online. First off, on these smokers, if you Google whatever whatever smoker review, pellet smoker, you can watch hours and hours of just random people in their backyard doing a full review oh, of yeah. these grills. Oh yeah, I love them. So I did a lot of that because I'm a I'm a YouTube guy. I like to check yep. that out. So I, I'm I first thing I saw was this term. Some call it seasoning and some call it like burn in. I think that's the same thing. I'm not sure. And it makes sense to me, right? You don't want to just throw your steak or whatever on and it, it's got dust and chemicals and whatever. So you've got to burn it in, right? You just run it at a high temperature to just burn all, burn all the stuff, stuff off. off it, yeah. But then they talk about seasoning. How you do that? Like you're supposed to cook something that has... A lot of fat on it, or like to like season your yeah, like to season your grill. So I don't know what that is, but anyway, last weekend. Oh, and then before I get there, then you've got the pellet situation. Okay, yeah, the wood, yeah, the wood fired, the wood I pellets. Actually, understand that. There's like thirty different flavors. What flavor did you choose? I got two. <laughs> I got barbecue and I got hickory. Barbecue? That's and a hick wood. Yeah, barbecue and hickory. There's tons of them, and if you read. It's kind of like uh, uh, if you're going to go to dinner, right, and you're yep. at kind of an upscale restaurant, yep. and you're going to order the uh, the salmon, yep. right? You can't have this deep red wine, right? you gotta, yeah. you got to okay. pair it. Okay, yes. It's kind of a pairing That's deal. It's something that, uh, yes. Yeah, so you got to pair it. So anyway, I go with barbecue, hickory, whatever. Uh, I fired it up last weekend. My in-laws were in town. And my in-laws, they were like, "Oh, this! I'm not sure what this electric." And I'm like, "It's the thing. Just work with me." And can can you check? Can't you check the temperature from like your phone and all that? Uh, I haven't got there yet. Okay. But but on the Don't thing, you. you know, on the panel, you just start <laughs> it, and it can go from 200 to 500. Okay. In 25 degree increments, and it keeps a consistent temperature. Mm -hmm. What I do with my grill, my other grill that I have, is you know, once you get it up to like 450. Yeah. 
the thing just keeps going. Yes. Right. You turn down a propane one. Good luck. Yes. So this one you can go 225, 400, 300. And I've not got into the long-term smoking aspect of all that. You know. It's like an oven in your yard. Exactly. <laughs> so I just want something I can use. So I fire it up. It says 400 for one hour. Yep. That's how you break it in or yep. whatever. So I do that. It's running pellets through all is well. Well, I, I ended up forgetting about it. Nice. And I left it on for two hours. Ooh, really so I, burnt I, in. I extra burnt it in. All was well. Uh, did that. And then I had the opportunity. My kids were kind of excited about it. Yeah. I They're like, wow, this is cool. And it plugs in and all this. Because they always see me in the backyard like throwing the propane tanks around because I get sick of those. So I... My first opportunity to use it was I cooked some brats. Okay. Okay. My All kids right. had hot dogs. That was the seasoning portion of that? Uh, no, no. I, I burned it in first because you got to oh. get, and then you, then I put that on okay. like as my first opportunity. Got it. So I throw the brats on. I put them at 350. Nice. I didn't know what. Hickory or barbecue uh, Barbecue. Oh, very nice. I'm going to use the barbecue <laughs> bag before I go to the hickory. So I got that done. All was well uh, done. And then it was Easter. Okay. Okay. All right. This is a good so, opportunity. Yeah. So And you had some family over, in laws were in town. My in laws, a couple people. Um, to showcase this bad. What boy. do you usually cook on Easter, Bila? Oh man. Oh, we did brunch this year, but we've had, you know, ham in the past. Yeah. Hey, ham, I would say, is a good one. Yeah, so I decided to smoke myself a ham. Nice. Okay. Big, big show weekend for the grill. Yeah, so I decided I was gonna smoke the ham. Yeah. And um Never bought a ham. My wife was going to buy a ham. Yeah. And I didn't really plan this, like, hey, buy this one and I'll do this and it'll be great. So she shows up with a honey baked, already already baked, already done ham. You're going to smoke a pre-cooked ham? Well, yeah. I mean, that, that was my opportunity. So I'm like, huh, my first real smoking opportunity turns into warming up <laughs> the honey baked ham for... 46 minutes or whatever I did. <laughs> did the barbecue add something that the oven wouldn't have? Exactly. So I ended up, my first opportunity, I warmed up an already cooked honey baked ham <laughs> on you, my smoker. Did you take the foil off it at least or did you just let her go uh, in? I, uh, my mother-in-law actually did that. She took it, she took it off, she walked it out, put it on, and I just let it sit there for an hour. I hope you had a few beers when you did it at least. I did, I did. So anyway, it, but the Rectech grill, the smoker, I'm extremely bullish on it and I'm excited about it. It says, one of the tips it says is don't be in a hurry if you're going to be, you know, don't be in a hurry if you're going to be using it. You know, take your time, oh, make sure patient. things are done right, and, and that's what I'm doing. Well, obviously, you've not turned into uh, Garage Logic over here. We are not the <laughs> handiest <laughs> folks out there, but I'm sure some of you listening can identify with that. So, with that, Nate, I'll jump out of here and I'll let Joe take my chair. All right. Well, welcome, Joe, to the program. All right. Welcome. I, I'm. Proud to introduce my uh, guest here, Mr. Joe Anthony from Gregory FCA. Joe, how are you doing today? Great, Nate. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. So this is a topic uh, uh, that Joe is going to guide us through in terms of, you know, PR and getting your message out there. And Gregory FCA, as as Joe mentioned in his introduction, is a top ten financial services PR firm focused on really getting the message out there. We, Gradient, have actually been a client uh, of Gregory FCA for quite some time, and we do a lot of you know, national media, and Gregory FCA has been a, a big part of doing that. So, Joe, why don't you give us a little of your background and a little of uh, what do you guys do as a firm? 
right. Well, Nate, Nate, I got to tell you, I've been doing this almost 20 years. It's hard to believe. I don't feel like I'm old enough to have been doing anything <laughs> for 20 years. But over the last 20 years, I've been working with RIA firms, the wealth management industry, and it's expanded to the broader financial services arena, helping people tell their stories, finding ways to elevate what may be the mundane or the day-to-day work into subject matter expertise and thought leadership visibility. And Gregory FCA, I, I'm proud of it. Uh, over the last uh, two, year, two decades I've been involved, uh, we've really extended our offering where we're not just helping our clients um, generate media relations opportunities, but we're doing some other things. And I think what's really important here fundamentally is that if we're talking about the financial services space, wealth management, uh, or even more broadly in terms of professional services or running a business, so much of business is done now on trust. And I think the area we operate in really is around building up the credibility and trust so people want to work with you. Um, and as you've seen, Nate, I mean, every industry, whether it's restaurants or financial services or in between, they have outfits and venues where people can rate, uh, review, share ideas, and, you know, and, and let the world know in the digital domain what their experience is and help people build up a platform for social proof. And, and so a big part of what we're doing is helping firms, big and small, amplify their story, get their message out there, and using both traditional media as well as some of the new digital things that are available to us all. That's a, that's a great background. And let, let's start, Joe. You mentioned a few things there. Um, you know, we, we're all familiar with what's going on in the world and how, you know, marketing and face-to-face and all that stuff has changed. So let's start with, um, if you could, and, and I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit, but if you think about non-financial services, okay, so you think about brands and companies and things that are not in the financial world, are there any that come to mind to you that you think do a really, really good job of, you know, being a part of the community, having an effective brand? What, what are some of the names that, that come to mind for you? So uh, I have to be careful here because I'm going to give you an example that's somewhat, somewhat irreverent, right? You have sure. um, a the Barstool brand, and you know, you, yep. you love him or hate him. Uh, Dave Portnoy has gotten out there, and he has uh, cultivated an audience. And for people looking to learn how to maximize the, the benefits of publicity, let's don't necessarily think about all the crazy stuff he does or <laughs> pizza reviews or things like yep. that. Let's focus on for a second the fundamental of any successful marketing or communication strategies. Know your audience. He has nailed that principle. He knows his audience. There are people that don't want the same tired, prepackaged. Right. content information it comes down to like what it's, it's kind of like you can look at a food review and figure out oh maybe i'll go to this restaurant and spend 200 bucks or something people will do on an ongoing basis like grabbing a slice of pizza and he's found that approachability and really nailed it so that's, that's one example uh he's he sort of tethered himself into the financial services realm um, more recently but let's just let's just call him more of a, a lifestyle brand right I, I think that's a great example and we've talked a little bit about him um you know and, and the the brand on the show in the past, I think that's a fantastic example. When you talked about knowing your audience, okay, I think one of the biggest uh, mistakes or issues that people deal with is you, you ask any business, you know, who's your customer? Who do you want to get in front of? And they, they kind of, some of them respond with, well, anybody and everybody who would, you know, who would work with me. You know, that's an easy answer. But in your mind, how do you help or what do you look for when you're helping a business you know, let's define who you're trying to attract or who you want to be a part of your community. So you sit down with a company. Now, we work financial services heavily. We have other industries that are clients. And I think the fundamental conversation, no matter where you're coming from in the world, is you sit down and say, all right, if you want to be able to 
demand a premium for your service. You have to have a focused your audience. A car wash can work for anybody. They can clean a Yugo, a Maserati, everything in between. Right. Um, and but the bottom line is, you might you might get paid twenty bucks or fifty bucks or two hundred dollars for detail, but basically you're capped. You don't you you don't really have a huge window of change there. So for people that want to tell a story that helps them get a premium for the service, they really have to have an innate understanding who the specific people they're going to help. Um, and finding out those intersection points when their product or service becomes relevant for that target audience. And you know, in financial services, obviously there's inflection points where people get worried about retirement or, the, or they're going to sell their business or things like that. But in life in general, if you look more closely, those intersection points where the trigger events meet the service or product, that's where you have to start building your story. Okay, that's good. And if you look at financial services, uh, where, where you guys have a tremendous amount of expertise, when you sit down with a new customer, and let's let's try and think of one that's you know maybe not a huge national brand, but a smaller one, and they're like, okay, Joe, we want to work with you guys. You know, we want to get our message out there. We want to do more. What for our listeners, for people that are saying, I want to do that, whether it's media, social media, you got Instagram, Facebook, TV, you got all this stuff. Where would you recommend people start? What What is a good starting point to say, okay, you want to start building your brand? And obviously the things we do here with radio and all the things are supportive, but how do you advise a customer who's saying, I want to work with you and we're just starting this journey? Well, I will tell you that everybody that's at that jump off point has two things that are fundamentally at a premium, their time bandwidth and their budget bandwidth. And what can you do to maximize both of those? If you're a startup, if you're early stages, you don't have a full-fledged marketing team, you have to choose your spots. My thinking is if you are in that business where your thought leadership, your ideas, your insight, your expertise is your currency, yep, you need to build a platform for yourself. We're fortunate that in 2021, not like in 2010 when Gradient hired us or 2020, right. 2000 when I first started doing this, there are so many digital tools that make the ability to tell your story less costly, more time managed and things like that. And so, but it starts with what is what is your story gonna be? And I look at it and say, right now, most people, if you, I don't care if you're in the business of providing COVID testing or if you're in the business of financial services or uh, or if you're in talk radio, whatever format you're in, you need to find out exactly how to make what you're good at, what, what, what's topical in your world, match up with what people care about today. And I think, and then and once you do that, and so a good example, uh, we're coming up on April 15th, and most people, like they're not, are thinking about their taxes. That not, that may not necessarily be when they should be planning their, their, their taxes and stuff like that, but the bottom line, when you're in that time zone, um, you have to think about, all right, if this is timely and topical and relevant, we need to make sure that we're putting things out there that our audience will care about as it relates to that topic. And, fun, and so podcasts, yes, those are great. You can, there's podcast platforms, you can do it yourself. Um, more, more constructively, having a website and having a blog is table stakes. Come up with your yep. own custom voice. I would, I would rather see a brand express themselves and their views on topics in 300 to 500 words of their own perspective than have them feel like they have to throw the kitchen sink of content out there of borrowed things from elsewhere because that fundamentally is gonna help people identify with you, understand the unique uh, attributes your firm brings to the table, and also, God forbid, be more relevant in terms of search and, and when people find you online. Yeah, there's there's two things there you said. One is, essentially you said, 
you know, get to the point, right? Don't throw the kitchen sink out there. You mentioned three to 500 words, but, but I, but I totally agree with you. You got to get to the point. But two, the second one I think is important as you mentioned timing. Okay. You, you mm-hmm. talked about taxes, right? C- can you talk uh, or give any other examples of things you've seen from you know, various groups or, or people that you know, um, of course, without naming you know, clients and, and names that, that you think have been a timing and, and done very well in terms of the time is right. Maybe that's because of COVID. Maybe that's because of something more specific like taxes. Do you have any other examples you can talk about in terms of timing and you know, when that message goes? Yeah, absolutely. And so let me just back up for a second. I'm a firm believer that whether you're in the, whether you're selling products or services, everyone has their moment inflection points where they have an exogenous event happen, something happens that, that, that has the potential to catapult their marketing, their, their brand recognition, their voice, uh, faster than ever. Uh, and, and, you know, if you go back in time a few years ago, we helped launch the first cybersecurity ETF in that end of the financial business. And that just happened to debut in the market a few weeks before the big Home Depot and Sony hacks, which made sure. cybersecurity a pop culture item. That's timing. They're very successful. And most, most new issues in that space, they don't gather a lot of assets quickly, but man, that thing got to a billion dollars in less than six months because they captured in a moment, the timing worked in their favor. A little bit more broadly speaking, we see brands that do well with things like providing uh, services to the female market and using things like uh, International Women's History Month uh, as an advantage. Mother's Day, take, take advantage of natural recurring calendar events to be able to insert their voice at a time where it makes their message a little bit more relevant or timely. Um, so there's a lot of different ways you can go. There could be isolated events, like I mentioned in the first case of the cybersecurity, or ongoing repeatable things. And I think it's very important to understand that whether you are a consumer of information, a media outlet, uh, a brand, folks are creatures of habit. And I right. think if you, if you recognize how people interact with information in the world around them, you can find ways to elevate your story, your voice, in a way that will feel timely and current, even if it's something you might have said at the same time the year before. Yeah, that, that's great information. You mentioned the the women in business, and we, we actually have a an initiative here and a group here, women in business, of, of our best and brightest financial advisors um, that are women. But but not only you have to be a woman a woman to do that, but we have a great group of them. However, uh, they spend their time focused on that. Right? What impacts you know uh, wealth transfer? Right? Women control trillions of dollars of wealth. And I think that's a great example. And it's not that it has to be women, but it could be something else. We have an advisor that's actually in town right now that is in a small community in Oregon. And they, through branding, through exercise, it's a small community, but they own their community. So let's talk about advisors in smaller markets, if you would. So if you're in a sure. smaller market, you're, you're in Chicago, that's a big market. You do mailings and you do, you kind of litter the earth with stuff. Let's talk about smaller markets and your thoughts on if, if you're an advisor and you say, well, I really don't have this mass population. Um, in terms of branding and image, what are your, uh, your guidance or your thoughts on, is it about me? Is it about my family? Is it about my services? What, what kind of guidance could you give for advisors who typically operate in, in a smaller community? Yeah, I think that I think it's really important to recognize the difference. If you're in a major metropolis sort of area, you mentioned Chicago and New York, 
it's really difficult to come across uh, as relatable to a broad community as you might like. Uh, we have a client in Eastern Washington where they are very relatable in the community and, they, and their tact is far different than you, you might be elsewhere. Keep in mind, authenticity is always at a premium, but in a smaller community, it's even more imperative. Think about it from the standpoint of an advisor who literally has to physically bump into his or her referral sources, right. um, you know, co-providers in different categories of, of where if you're not authentic in your messaging, messaging, it's going to catch up to you rather quickly. It's actually more incumbent upon, uh, you know, Sue or Tom advisor in whatever town uh, to have information that they put out there, be things that they would actually say and things that they're actual expert in um, and, and making sure that how they communicate really conveys truth to what they're delivering in the market. And, and so, but at the same time, uh, in the world of earned media, where you, there's a CNBCs and the Wall Street Journals of the world, right. and then the own channels, your blog, your social media, your voice in your own channels becomes as important or more important than uh, the visibility in a CNBC or Wall Street Journal because it comes down to the connection people have. Again, fundamentally, what I said at the beginning, we're all in the trust business. How do people experience you, their level of trust and credibility, whether you're buying a car, whether you're going to a restaurant, whether you're delivering financial services, people want to know what to expect from the service or product they're buying. Right. I think you know, a few of the things um, that you talked about there in terms of uh, your message, I think a lot of business owners, financial or otherwise, want to talk about their their thing, right? I'd love to get on uh, you know, the paper or the TV or something and talk about Apple earnings or some financial topic. You mentioned Barstool earlier, and again, love them or hate them, they have fun. And and this is my belief is that having some fun, even if you're in the financial business, which a lot of people would say isn't really that fun, um, you know, shifting the message from stocks and bonds and interest rates and stock market to something that creates trust, creates, what are your thoughts on kind of balancing the two between, you know, I'm a financial expert versus I'm a real person and let's have some fun with this. Yeah, I do think it's really important. And we've discovered, so I, I, would, I would call 2020 is the year that people let their guard down. Right. And by that, you're basically, you, you've lived a year working, uh, playing, basically where everyone has, has a digital look into your living room, your bedroom, your home <laughs> office. Sure. Um, and you know, I can remember late March last year, I saw, saw a lot of collars and ties and, and sweaters over button down. And then by summertime it was golf shirts. And by the fall it was sweatshirts. And, right. and, and you know, that, that's just a good example. And the paradigm shifted so quickly to the point now it's almost stunning. If you get on the call and everyone's clean shaven and everyone's got a collared shirt on. Right. Right. And so it, the, the, the world has changed a little bit there. And so what does that mean? I think at the end of it all, we want relatability, whether it's fun, whether it's being insightful, whether it's thought-provoking, things that move, move the listener, the viewer, the reader in a way that gets them to feel like, yeah, I can see myself working with Nate or working with Joe or whomever it might be right. because of the level of relatability. And, I, and so one thing I cringe at, though, is that not everybody could be Jim Cramer or Dave Portnoy or whomever and trying to stretch to be that guy or that woman um, can actually be instead of beneficial ends up undercutting your credibility, your relatability, because it just doesn't feel right. And so I tell people, if you're going to get out there, try to promote your boring business, your finance, if you're managing money or, 
or yep. selling insurance, whatever you're doing, you have to have some fun with it. So part of it has to be like, okay, maybe it's helping your clients envision what they're doing next with it. All right, you know, and, and for some people, uh, I, know, I know when they talk about things uh, with their clients and their blog posts and their podcasts, they're doing things like, uh, instead of talking about returns in terms of percentage returns, they'll say things like, hey, we took a look at the, the traditional 60-40 account that you had been in when you came became a client, and now we've done this, and your actual returns over the last two years is equivalent of, uh, of a Ferrari in a beach house, right? right? And even little things like that, just to soften up and make it more relatable, ends up being being the sort of thing where if you're a consumer of information, you start realizing it's more than just number crunching or boring corporate drivel. Right. I, th- I think that that's great. So let's let's transition a little bit because we, we have to talk about it. You know, you you mentioned and I didn't even realize I did. We became a client in 2010. Is that is that an accurate statement? It might have been earlier, but I'll, I'll, I'll let's So it's been 10 years, at least 10 years since Gradient. We've been working with you guys. I don't think it's any surprise that, you know, when you look at specifically our investment group and you guys have done lots of things with us, but, you know, our investment team and they're on Fox and CNBC and, and all of that. And yes, that's fun and it's exciting it, because we have to answer the question. People say, well, how do you get on there? What do you do? What do national organizations like that what are they looking for? So the paradigm has shifted over the years, and it's very interesting. When I first started doing this, it was the establishment. Who Who's the old guard? Who should be on there? So think about it this way. Right. In today's terms, you see just as much as Shamath at, at Social Capital and Elon Musk at Tesla as you do Larry Fink at BlackRock and Warren Buffett. All of them have their platform, but... It used to be the Warren Buffetts and Larry Finks of the world dominated, and it was you never heard edgewise from the entrepreneurs, the upstarts. That has shifted when when the focus on what's new, what's next, who's up and coming has become just as important as who's already made it. And I think it's really important to think about when you're entering the world of media, whether you're trying to appeal to uh, the uh, a big city daily in your home state, you're trying to appeal to fans of Wall Street Journal or on TV. There's two things that really matter. What you say, what your area of expertise is, has to match up. I used to, Nate, I used to have clients who used to always want to be on Oprah's show, sure. and then you find out that they're trying to get on her show with a book about insurance planning that was self-published. <laughs> know your audience. Oprah is not doing that. Sorry. Um, you know, but the flip side is, you see CNBC, you see Bloomberg, they have a heavy skew towards economics, investing, and so forth. Fox right. Business and Fox News will dive more into policy and government a little bit more, but still skews towards financial topics. So you start looking at that and say, where do you fit in there? Um, that's part of it. The second thing is, it's also really important where you want, I mean, it's as much information as it is entertainment and vice versa. And so the people that are on there have to be able to carry the conversation in a way that's not only informing and enlightening, but also engaging. The people want to hear right. from folks that are excited to be there. Big problem most people have is that their view of contributing to other people's media, earned media, is that it's their bandstand, not publications. And you're playing on someone else's home turf. You have to respect their rules. You have to understand what they're trying to get out of it. Um, So my best advice for someone who wants to uh, scratch and claw, it comes back to where do you have a unique point of view about your business and how does it relate to what's happening in the world? And you have to start somewhere. Find somebody who can help you begin building a media resume. It may be 
uh, publications like NerdWallet or Bankrate, which you know are prolific publishers of interesting financial content. Yep. They may not have the same prestige as some of the other names we just mentioned, but put yourself on the map, start engaging that process, and constantly focus on what do you do best and how does it intersect with what's happening in the world. If you start building up, A, a rapport with journalists, and B, sticking to things that are really core to your expertise where you can add real insight, you will find that organically, and it's, sometimes it's a tough road to hoe, but I'm now I'm still in my 40s, and so I got a long career ahead of me, so I'm willing to play the long game. We have to build that platform, and you spend that time focusing on the things that make a difference um, in the lives of your customers, and also or might be unique to your business. Yeah, I, I think one exercise that we talk to our advisors and, and our business owners here about is, if somebody were to call you and say, hey, I saw you, I listened to you, I, I whatever, somehow I met you, or I met you on an airplane, We'd love to have you on X or we'd love to have you comment on something. What is that? What is your value? What is your proposition? And if you don't have that, if you don't say, hey, yeah, if I got three minutes to talk on, I don't care if it's your, your local you know, business chapter or CNBC, what is that? And if you don't have that thing or you don't have that, this is what I would talk about. This is how I can add value. I'm not sure that anybody else can, can help you get there. And it, so I don't know if you yeah. if you believe in that or not, but that that's something that I've always been a big uh, you know proponent of. Yeah. So Nate, when you think about it, it's actually simpler than most people give it credit for. So a, a quick breakdown. Let's use the example of interest rates. We all know out there that so there's an economic calendar, and the Federal Reserve publishes uh, updates on its interest rate policy every six weeks. Right. Um, and so we know you're, you're going to hear something, whether it's the Beige Book, it's the actual FOMO, FOMC meeting it's gonna get covered by the media. But think about it this way, it's not just about interest rates impact on the bond market or on equities. If you're a financial advisor, that may just be the same trigger point where you wanna go, you have a client that's talking about whether or not they want to uh, refinance their beach house, or if they're, gonna, if they're going to be able to, uh, if they're gonna lease or own a mobile, like a mobile like RV, like a vacation yep. vehicle, right? All, all these different things. It intersects with their financial lives in so many different ways. And so whether it's your own created content or interjecting yourself with the media, you have to look at these bigger picture events and look at all the different ways that be sliced and diced. And you know people will pay attention to it because it happens so regularly. And, and events, we all know, big big market swings catch people's attention. Yeah. If there's a hot topic, like in this year it's been SPACs, it's been Bitcoin, right. uh, things like that. You have to find, you have to be an expert in all things related to that, but find how you can attach yourself to that. Maybe it's being the voice of reason you think all this stuff is crazy and people need to be focusing on their financial plan instead of these hot dot investments. Whatever the story is, you gotta find, and that's the, your fastest path to getting recognition and inclusion in the publications that a wide cross section of America reads. Yeah, and, and don't be afraid to reach out. I mean, you've got local, you've got people in your community, don't be afraid to pick up the phone and, and get after it. I mean, I think that's one thing is people always want, well, if you could get me in this or you could do this, have you tried to do that yourself? Well, I haven't. Well, let's do it. Let's get your story down. Let's give them a call. Let's shoot them an email. Let's follow them on Facebook. Let's do all the things that they're, let's, let's go meet them where they're at and something just might come of it. And uh, I think people are scared to do that. And in and, and today's environment, unique stories. I mean, you think about news media too, 24-7, 365. Uh, there's no shortage of a need. You know, they, they have a need for content and it's not easy, as you know, Joe, to, to fill that. And so I wouldn't be afraid if I were a business or I had a unique value to reach out and say, hey, I'd love to 
talk with you and, and start a relationship. And honestly, that's something we've done here as we've you know launched our buffered and with your help and we've done other things where we say, hey, this is relevant. I think it's timely. Uh, we've had some success, you know, here with, with obviously with your help. Uh, and so I just, I wouldn't be afraid to do that. Yeah, I agree. I think one one thing, one, one last nugget here, Nate, if you don't mind. Go ahead. Whether you're a business owner, financial, financial service or otherwise, the playing field has officially become uh, primarily around the digital domain. So marketing is now a 24-7 thing, not an event-driven thing. I mean, you can't, whether you have events or workshops is another story, but the reality is that's the case. And so you don't have to try to tackle it all at once. It's not like, okay, we're going to get up and we're going to go push on Tuesday of next week and it's going to be our big thing for the month you have to find ways to nibble at this a little bit more because it's an ongoing, it's a fluid thing. And so my biggest uh, recommendation is don't get intimidated. Like there has to be a big week you're focused on. And like right. that. this is something that becomes part of the fabric of how you market your business. I think that's great. The last thing, uh, Joe, that I'll, I'll ask you is as, as we move forward here and we're you know, well into 2021 now, what are you most excited about? And it, it doesn't have to be you know, financial, but personally and professionally, what are you most excited about, you know, coming out, hopefully the, the back end of this uh, crazy year we've been in, what are you most excited about? Well, I'm most excited about the reinvention of how we do business. I think this past year forced us to rethink things. And a couple of things I've seen in my business, I've seen some client, client businesses where when talent becomes untethered to an office location, yes, it's a scary thing for business owners like myself, but at the same right. time, it's a huge opportunity I think the world's a better place when you have a cross-section of diverse views and opinions and insights. I think it also opens up the world of creativity where you can have a CEO or a chief marketing officer or a business owner um, do some creative thinking from uh, a mountain house or at the beach and still be sure. plugged into their day-to-day -day work. I mean, all these things. So I feel like there's going to be a different wave of creativity, flexibility, sort of re-engineering uh, of work life that's going to be awesome for the creative ideas that come out. And I'm excited, for, I don't know how it's gonna take shape, but we've seen over the past year alone, because we're in this digital world, think we have an accelerated adoption of uh, crypto, for example. I'm not saying I'm a crypto fan or not, but right. the reality is when PayPal starts using it regularly, it becomes a part of more of a part of the day-to-day the -day acceptability. And then things like that you might not have thought of as possible become possible. And I think we're gonna see other things take shape, become possible because we were forced to rethink how we lived and worked and played. Um, and when the door is open and people feel fully free to move, move about the country, move about the world, I think you're going to see some pretty cool creative things come out of it all. Totally agree with you. Uh, the last thing I'll mention is you did mention earlier in the show that you're, how old are you, 40, 41, 42? 40, yep. 40. I did see that uh, you were named in the Philadelphia Business uh, Journal, I believe, as a 40 under 40 uh, candidate. Is that a true statement? Or forty under forty winner. Yes, I. Yeah, you know, I was. I was a. Yeah, it's a true statement. Um, and uh, you know, my my favorite part about that is that they snuck it in before my fortieth birthday, the end of twenty twenty. <laughs> um, but you know, I think it's one of those things, and just speaks to one thing. It's really important. Uh, if you're an advisor, if you're a business owner, I one one thing I feel good about is that it, in some ways that was a recognition of things I was doing outside the office. Right. But at the same time, I think people. I think people want to know people. And if you can put yourself out there, whether it's an award like that, other, or people will recognize you, understand who you are from a gen, from a genuine perspective, it's all good. I was I was flattered by that, and thanks for mentioning that. Nate. Yeah, for sure. And so, in, in wrapping up here, 
you know, the, the, the biggest takeaways I have, and, and again, we do a ton of media and obviously Gregory FCA helps us, but a lot of that is done on our own. And one of the things Joe mentioned is, you know, we get a lot of opportunities here that frankly, we say, you know what, not a good fit. And things that we do to say, this is our, this is what we're good at. This is our story. And this really isn't our story. And so like we've had some people, well, would you like to comment on Bitcoin and yada, yada? We've passed on those opportunities, not because we don't believe in it, but just because it hasn't been our, that's not our story. So I would encourage everybody who's listening, what is your story? What are the three or four things? You're on an airplane, you meet somebody and they say, wow, that's interesting. I'd really like to learn more. What are those things? That's clients, that's media, that's all the things you're doing. So Joe, anything else to add before we uh, wrap up? Well, the last thing I'll say Nate, is that right now, the playing field has never been more level for upstart right. aspiring brand builders. And now's the time. Take advantage of the earned channels as well as the own channels. There's so much you can do out there. There's plenty of space to sort of sandbox your new marketing ideas, yep. uh, whether it's messing around with the podcast or developing your own blog content for the first time. Now is as good a time as any. And take advantage because the playing field has never been more level. Yeah, and obviously, you know, that's a great point. Our listeners know here between podcasting and radio and all the things that we do to support, you know, financial services owners, um, now's the time. And so, Joe, I appreciate your time. I appreciate the work you've done for us over the years, and and thank you for being a guest today. Hey, sure, Nate. This was fun. Be well. All right. Thanks, Joe.